0: amen it's been such a privilege a joy to uh, worship with you this morning and sing Um, pastor and i were talking i think i haven't been here in over 10 years which is amazing to me because um, i remember uh, visiting when you were still meeting in one of the schools high school elementary school but high school and uh, i remember leaving thinking man i wish i could attend that church uh, as far as just kind of what you believe and how you go about ministry God's called you to, and uh, the regard I have for your pastor. Uh, he's so faithful in his teaching of the Word of God, uh, but he's also, the way I describe it, he is he is one of the most entrepreneurial uh, evangelists that I've ever met, you know, just perpetually doing the Discovering God series and finding ways to uh, make people from the community feel welcome and interested and um, I've just had just a really high regard for him. And then I find out that he uh, was singing Jump on Friday night. Was it Van Halen or the or the Pointer Sisters? I'm trying to picture which of the uh, versions you did. Uh, I need to see the video. That's good stuff. And uh, Larry and I were in school together back in the day, so very good to see him. Just really, really good to be here. I uh, feel very much at home and I hope you know just uh, how blessed you are by the teaching you get here and the music you get here. You had uh, three musicians leading you so effectively, and I could listen to that all day. The vocals, uh, the acoustic sound, the guitar, it's just beautiful, and, and it doesn't get in the way. It just leads you to worship, and uh, I love that. really enjoyed being here today, so thank you for all of that. Well, why don't we have a word of prayer, and then um, I'm going to share briefly about what God's called me to do now, and then we're going to get into 3 John. But let's pray and ask for God's continued blessing. Lord, we thank you that we've had the privilege of uh, singing your praises, and uh, that doesn't show how wise or virtuous we are. Uh, we just come in today as sinners, and uh, without you, we would have no hope. We're not the good people. Um, we, we are as wicked as anybody— but in your mercy you have uh, saved us you've provided the gospel you've you've done the work uh, for our salvation you've even opened our eyes and drawn us to yourself and those of us who know christ we come today just humble and grateful Um, for those who don't yet know christ i pray that in your mercy you would uh, press them uh, press their conscience bring conviction take away their peace of mind until they find true peace uh, by faith in the lord jesus christ so do your work today, and everybody arrives here with different needs, different burdens on their hearts, but I pray that you would meet them uh, by your grace in a way that brings you glory. So help us today. Help me as I communicate your words, do so with clarity and accuracy, and I pray that you would apply it to our hearts. So meet with us, we'll give you all the glory, we thank you in advance in Jesus name. Amen. Well, in a moment, we're going to be in the book of Third John, if you would uh, turn there and um, I'm going to share a little bit about my ministry first. Uh, For 25 years, as Pastor said, I was a pastor, in fact, uh, 15 years I was a church planter, very like what has happened here, and uh, Tri-County Bible Church in Madison, Ohio. Uh, Go Buckeyes, sorry. Um, Tri-County Bible Church in Madison, Ohio, Uh, we planted just over 20 years ago, and uh, we were in a school for 12 years, very similar trajectory to what God has done here. And uh, in time I kind of became redundant. You know, We had a team of elders, uh, other good pastors, and I thought if I weren't here they would be fine. The Lord ended up moving me to Atlanta and I've been there for almost 10 years now. I'll tell you a little bit about that. But recently started working with a group called Biblical Ministries Worldwide. It's a, it's a mission board and we serve churches by helping people get to the mission field. And I'm gonna talk for a few minutes about how that happened and the pastor mentioned, I'm also, um, I'm a writer, I write uh, hymns, or uh, pastor mentioned some of the gospel meditation books. These are 31 day, uh, just just a lesson a day. You read scripture and then something that you can learn uh, the word. Uh, I have a book published several years ago called The God Who Satisfies. It's about the Samaritan woman from John 4. All of these are available today. Uh, my daughters will be Manning a table in the resource center, and then just finished a book called "Theology That Sticks." It's about the life-changing power of exceptional hymns. And um, here's what I mean by theology that sticks. Somebody, quote for me your favorite paragraph from uh, one of Pastor Ken's sermons. Go ahead. Just who, who's got? To say, oh, not a paragraph. How about just two sentences? Just quote for me two sentences of. No, nothing. No sermons are important, but sermons don't stick. We don't remember them, not not verbatim. We don't memorize them. Uh, It wouldn't make any sense to memorize them. Now, let's just, you know, let me try something. We haven't practiced. uh, Nothing up my sleeve, but let's try. Uh, Sing with me. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. And we could keep going. Or you know, and can it be that I should gain an interest in... All right, that was, that was rough. How about um, Jesus loves me this... Side? Yeah. <laughs> See, we remember songs. They stick. They, they're in our memory. I mean, you know, I mentioned Van Halen and a bunch of you started nodding your head because we just remember songs because of tune and, and because of rhythm and rhyme, because of poetry... Um, so when we're learning really good songs your, your church you know goes out of your way to choose songs that are biblically saturated but when we learn that we're kind of learning theology and um, it really does change the way we think and um, what your church does so well is what i tried to describe in this book about uh, why music is so important it's not an angry book some books on music are just angry and uh, yelling at people who disagree or condemn. But this is just uh, how how hymns kind of build your faith. So those are available after the service in the um, resource center. If they could be a help to you, uh, then take advantage of that. Uh, Major focus today is is on what God has called me to do. No, this isn't working anymore. What God has called me to do. Maybe I hit the wrong button. Uh, There we go. My story, there's my family. Uh, I have four daughters, and I feel like we should pray all over again. Let's uh, have four daughters. Two of them are with me today. Not my two favorites, but these two are good as well. And uh, my oldest daughter, Rebecca, is married to Ray, and uh, you can see him in the picture there with Atlanta behind us. He's now training in the Marine Corps as an officer. Uh, Pray for them. They're kind of separated for a while. And then... um, the Lord called us to church plant in Ohio. I mentioned that, and um, I called it a divine conspiracy. I was I was pastoring, and God was working you know much of the church was first generation Christians who were just coming to Christ. I loved what God called me to do there, worked with a guy named Joe Tierpak and um, but the Lord started getting my attention for missions for a while. For 15 years, we would support missionaries, but I kind of thought, you know, I'm glad for commando-type Christians who do missions, uh, but normal people like us, we're busy. we got stuff to do, and I'm church planting, and I'm, I'm focused on this. Missions isn't really my thing. Uh, but through this divine conspiracy, I'm, I'm preaching through Acts, and there's missions all over it. I preach the book of Jonah, and God calls Jonah to leave his successful ministry in Israel. And go cross cultural, uh, go to a, a, an unreached place, go to Nineveh, uh, a people that he hated. He was full of kind of prejudice and racism, but God is not. And God said, I want you to go and, and preach to that city. Uh, Jonah, Jonah was kind of a jerk, uh, but he goes and he, he reluctantly preaches this message and hope nobody responds. And he's actually mad at God when the whole city of people uh, repents. Uh, you, can, you, know, you can quote that from the sermon, Jonah was a jerk, um, but, but God is merciful and he saved all those people. I was, I was reading uh, books on missions, uh, Dave Doran has one called For the Sake of His Name, um, have, you re- have you read Radical by David Platt? Um, if you haven't, you, you know, read it, but buckle up because you're probably going to want to sell everything you own and go to the mission field, it's, it's intense. Um, So the Lord started working in my heart toward missions. And I really thought 10 years ago, I might leave uh, Madison, Ohio and go to the mission field. And then I had what I call a Macedonian stall. Christians speak, we talk about a Macedonian call. In the book of Acts, Paul's doing this missionary journey in Asia. But he had a vision and somebody from Europe, uh, from Macedonia and northern Greece said, hey, we need help. Come help us. And uh, it was kind of God's directing him to go to a new field. And he did. Well, I'm planning to go to a new field, and I had a mis- Macedonian stall. I talked to a missionary friend of mine named David Hassafluk, and uh, just somebody I have high respect for. He'd been a missionary in Albania for 20 years. I told him, hey, I think, I think I'm going to go and, and dive into missions. And this never happens. It kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. But he, he said, Chris, I know you, and I know your family, I know your gifts, I know your situation. And let me just push back and you know tell you think about that. Maybe God could use you to do more for missions if you stay in the states and promote missions there instead of transitioning, learning a new language. And um, you know missionaries never tell you not to come, uh, but he, he gave me some counsel. It wasn't you know it wasn't a word of prophecy, um, you know it wasn't a, a, a papal bull or anything like that. But it was good counsel, and I took it. Eventually, the Lord sent me to Atlanta. Uh, Killian Hill Baptist Church, and uh, was there for just about a decade, and we have the joy of sending. I'm going to talk about that for a few moments. Uh, here's a picture of us, and we're, uh, we're surrounding a couple. This is the entire church. So you picture, if, if this church were sending out a missionary, um, it wasn't just the elders praying over them, but we gathered them right in the center aisle. Everybody, you know, surrounded them. No, uh, this was pre-COVID, so no masks, no distancing. We just all huddled up and prayed for them and we were sending them out. Uh, This particular family we were sending to South Africa. What if success as a church means that we send people rather than just collecting people? You know, in the American church often we think, you know, church success means we get bigger. So, in uh, church planting, I mean, you, you know when you're starting with 20 people, there's times you're looking at the parking lot, is anybody else coming? And, uh, you know, then you, you want to be at 50, and then 60, 100, and then 200, and, and you want to keep growing. God has, has blessed your church. It's so exciting. Uh, but there are times when success means that we're getting a little bit smaller because we're sending people to needy areas, to dark places. So you have an ax, if, if we went through the church at Antioch, Paul and Barnabas are used to kind of plant that church, and and they train the people, and God raises up leaders, and eventually God says, you know, I want you to to send your senior pastor Barnabas and your youth pastor Paul and send them to the mission field, and sometimes the church is sending people to more needy places, and God started a season in our church where we were doing just that, and um, not every church has a vision for church planting or, or sending people out. Uh, but I, I compare it to parenting. You know, what if I told you that, that my wife and I are such good parents, my daughters are going to live in our basement until they're 50. You know, they, they're not leaving. We're just keeping them forever. And, and that's effective parenting. And some of you would say, you know, that sounds like a cult, actually. Um, you know, our, our job is to, is to train them. So our, our family went from two to three to four to five to six. And then after my daughter's wedding, we went home and there were five. And then there's going to be four, and then three, and then, and then two. You know, sometimes we get smaller. But there's, there's new families being started. That's, that's success. Well, churches should have more of a mindset like that. Um, I tell people some churches are like the Hotel California. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. You know, God might move you here. He would never move you out of here. Yeah, but, but he does. And God started doing this work um, at Killian Hill, not a, you know about the same size as as community, I think, but uh, family. Dave and Karen Brown. They were in our church. They were doing mission recruiting and training, and then God called them to uh, go to South Africa. Dave uh, was a lawyer. Went through law school. All the trouble was was had a successful practice, and eventually God just said, you know, but Dave, I have I have different plans for you. I'm not, I'm not saying better plans, because for many of you, just, you, know, you continue in your career, you, you support your church, you raise your children, you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. So don't, don't feel guilt about holding down a good job and just serving God in, in your sphere of influence. But some, he wants to move out to a new place, and uh, they left our church and went to South Africa. They were probably our best disciplers, our best mentors. Uh, we need Dave and Karen Brown at Killian Hill, but not as much as South Africa needs them. You know, a, a darker place. So they went out and I'm preaching on missions. I'm praying. I'm praying what Jesus said. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers. But I wouldn't pray that just generally. I'd pray, Lord, from our church, send forth laborers. Send people from here. Um, occasionally I'd say, send that guy. No, I'm joking. Uh, You know, send that deacon over there. Um, and, you know, that's not usually how it goes, right? Well, we're praying. I, I came back from a mission trip. I preached on, uh, you know, the need for for reaching the unreached, and God just kind of kept stirring people. Here's a guy, Zach Bell, uh, his wife Zipporah. Zach is probably our best evangelist. He uh, goes. We have a lot of immigrants that come into Atlanta. You think it's the Bible Belt? It it is not. The whole world lives there, and and Georgia's a liberal place, and there's so many needs. Uh, he'll go and move into a community with refugees and try to learn their language and. and uh, find somebody that can translate and he gives them the gospel. And now he wants to go to Nepal. The Lord provided him a wife. Uh, they have a baby now. And, and they're going, by the way, they're going with a different mission board, uh, ABWE. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but BMW doesn't have missionaries in Nepal. And I want this guy to be part of a team. He needs mentors and accountability and, and support. So, hey, we're, we're not just building our team. We're about the kingdom of god so go with this other group because they have a good support system and he's on his way to nepal we'll be leaving soon i preached missions one sunday morning after a mission trip to uh indonesia and as i'm preaching i i see this couple they're you know kind of they they're engaged and listening they both grew up in our church uh, Derek and allison he's a firefighter she was a teacher now a busy mom with beautiful beautiful kids and um, after I preached that afternoon, they called me and Derek said, you know, Pastor, we feel like the Lord may be calling us to Southeast Asia. And, um, you know, it's so hard. They had, Allison had four generations. Her, her grandparents were in the church and her parents and, you know, now her and her children. And there's so many reasons they should stay, but, but they were called of God to go. And uh, he said, you know, we're praying that God would have us go. And last October, I got to drive them to the airport, cheerful goodbye. And they're now, you know, on the opposite side of the world. We needed them. But, but not as much as Southeast Asia needs them. I have a friend that says, you don't want to have the coolest church in town. You want to have the only church in town. And um, how about if we go to, to places that don't have a gospel witness? These aren't superheroes. You know, they're... They haven't even been to seminary. We ordained them, and, and they're, they're ready to go and lead. Um, but, you know, I tell people they went to a Wana Theological Seminary. They just, they just learned Bible verses as kids, and, and they love Jesus. And now they're normal people serving Jesus in a really needy place. And uh, God has sent them. Killian Hill is probably a lot, like, uh, a lot like Community Bible Church. Um, we're kind of like Alabama. You know, Alabama's third string could beat most football teams. And, uh, you know, we have a pretty deep bench. And when we send people out, there's others that can step up. Well, we sent them out. Now, they were texting some other friends of theirs. And uh, this is the Brown family. The Browns, he was, uh, we have a large Christian school, you know, complicated place. And he was our elementary principal. We need this guy. And now he's in Southeast Asia, he just went about a month ago. And he's part of a team with the Lewises. And um, the Lord just kind of kept doing this work. Uh, eventually I get a call from Doug Abels. He was our head of school. He was in charge of the whole Christian school ministry. He says, hey, Chris, I need to talk to you. I'm like, yeah, 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 where are you going? I know, just tell me. You're... And, and he says, you know, the Lord has burdened us for ministry in South Africa. Now there's some Middle East opportunities that the Lord's opening for them. And, and you get the picture, it just kind of kept happening. Uh, the Jespersons, he was a deacon in the church, just faithful, faithful family. She was a teacher in our school. Pastor, we'd like to meet with you. Yep, you know, where are you going? The Lord's called him to help church plant in Idaho, uh, among Mormon people especially. And we need them in Atlanta, but not as much as they're needed in Idaho. You get, you get the idea. And it just kind of kept going. One of our retirees uh, said, Pastor, I'm involved in all these ministries at church. God's opening doors for me to do more in missions and training, and that means I won't be able to be so active here, and I said, well, of course, go, and God will provide somebody else. Uh, Derek Truesdale was another deacon, teacher in our church, and faithful, and then just last December, uh, the Lord opened a door for him to go into pastoral ministry, and we had the privilege of sending him out, and you say, who was left? Oh, there's plenty of people left, uh, there's plenty of needs, and, but, but it was exciting to see sometimes success and the, the work of God doesn't just mean we're collecting it. It might mean that we're deploying. i um, give you just a couple more. Kwame uh, Ajman uh, got, got saved uh, in his early 20s. Now there's this beautiful family. They have another, uh, another baby the Lord's added to them. And he's a member of our church. He was working in the medical field doing like administration for Emory Hospital System. He's killing it. He's, he's going to be very successful. Uh, I have had him give testimony, teach a Bible study. And when I did, I thought, man, God's hand is on this guy. He is, he's capable of teaching. And, and I had lunch with him. I said, Kwame, you know, if you want to go get your MBA and continue in your career, just be a Sunday school teacher. You can be a, a leader, maybe an elder in our church. I would love that. Uh, frankly, we have a very, very diverse community, and we need a family like that. But Kwame, you're gifted as a preacher, and You know, you should pray about maybe God's calling you into pastoral ministry. And we talked about it. He went, he prayed with his wife. He came back and said, Pastor, I I think you're right. God's put this on my heart. I desire this. I just needed somebody to kind of confirm and encourage me. He just finished his first seminary of uh, of seminary at Faith Baptist Bible College in Iowa. And uh, he's doing it as a... uh, As an online student, he joked with me, he says, Pastor, are there black people in Iowa? I I said, Well, there are. They're all online, though. Um, (laughs) But you stay in Atlanta, stay at Killian Hill, but get your degree, and eventually he's probably gonna be sent out as a church planter. And and our heart is not just to build up our own kingdom, you know, the community Bible church kingdom, but to be part of the advancement of God's kingdom, uh, gospel advance in needy places. God just kept doing things like that. Here's a, here's a couple that um, they have a degree in math and finance, and they called me and said, hey, uh, we're just business people, but we would like to do business like in Switzerland or, or Germany. Do you think there could be an opportunity for us to do our careers in Europe and help a missionary? Yeah, I think that's the future of missions in Europe. And, and what I'm telling you, there, there might be people here, you have you know a, a career or degree or training, and you say, I'm not a missionary. You could be a perfect missionary. In fact, if I, if I meet somebody that's a nursing student that wants to go into missions, I'm not going to tell them to change your major. Finish your nursing degree, and then God could open all kinds of doors for you to use your, your uh, career overseas for his glory. Well, the last family sent out on my watch uh, was my family. Of all the things God was allowing me to do as a pastor, I, I love preaching but the Lord was allowing me to be part of deploying missionaries. And, um, and he opened a door, what if I could have this be kind of my primary calling, where I'm trying to help churches, trying to help pastors get a vision for training and sending people, and you know, the delight of being part of what God's doing all over the world. And he's opened up a door for me at Biblical Ministries Worldwide. So now, uh, what am I doing? I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I'm preaching, uh, I'm traveling just all the time. Um, Preaching missions and networking and and working with pastors on how can you kind of start that culture in your church where people are burdened about ministry and and normal Christians are excited about what god 's doing elsewhere uh, as well as here and the lord 's opened the opportunity for me to do that part of that is i 'm raising support i 'm a real live red blooded missionary i don 't have a prayer card so I f- feel like i 'm not really a missionary yet but um, But we're raising support. And part of the daunting part of what God has called me to do is, is we were in a very stable, healthy situation. And now, now we're stepping out to raise missionary support. And it's a little bit frightening, but it's great because I can see God provide. There's credibility as I'm urging people to pray about missions. You know, I should be willing to do what missionaries do. And uh, God's meeting our needs. But that's what the Lord's called us to do for now. and. Nobody ever takes a picture of the QR code, but uh, I'll make sure pastor gets information where you can just kind of keep up with what God's doing and how he's uh, working. Just pray for us. Pray pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. And um, that's beyond my pay grade. I don't want to guilt anybody into missions. I can't call people to missions. God does that. But I can be an agitator. I can say, hey, look at the Bible and and consider this this is not an addendum to normal Christianity. Missions is the centerpiece of Christianity. It's, you know, the gospel has to be expanding. There are churches that say they're gospel-centered because they preach gospel sermons and sing good songs like In Christ Alone. But if you're not giving the gospel to the lost, you're not a gospel-centered church. So you're working hard to reach your community, and then maybe the Lord's gonna allow your influence to expand around the world, and just pray for God's uh, blessing and success as I engage in that new ministry. With biblical ministries worldwide. And actually, uh, our text today in 3rd John is such a great missions text. Uh, the book of 3rd John, we already read it. It's, it's one of the shorter letters of the New Testament. Uh, it's written by the Apostle John. So the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation and 1st and 2nd John, he wrote this. And 3rd John is probably underappreciated, uh, but it's such an important book. I say it talks about missions and giving and even schism, uh, division, problems. You know, I know this church doesn't have anything like that, but there are churches that have division and uh, they get us off of our task. So I want to talk to you about that. Now, just just a moment, I'm going to read it for you, but I want to ask you about these three characters. Do these, anybody know who these people are? All right, this was on the uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle show. The guy in the middle is a a Canadian Mountie named Dudley do Do And the villain, you know, is the curved mustache, curled mustache. It's kind of a melodrama, you know, like if there were a play, we're supposed to boo every time he comes out. Anybody remember what his name is? Snidely Whiplash. Okay, now, the same people. Give me the main characters of the book of 3 John. Uh Aha. You know, that wasn't fair. But we, we know these characters. Now we're going to learn about 3 John, right? And, and there's a damsel in distress. Now, the reason I say that is there's this plot in the book of 3 John. Um, there's, there's a story, there's, there's a conflict. It's all happening very fast. But they're missionaries, the brothers and sisters. All right, we don't have their names, but they're the ones being mistreated. And the villain in this in this story is Diotrephes. He's the bad guy. moo boo boo He's the bad guy. Anybody ever met somebody named Diotrephes? No, because he's a villain. It would, it would be like naming your daughter Jezebel. We don't do that. Uh, Diotrephes is a bad guy. The good guy, several. There's John, uh, who's writing. There's Gaius, and then there's a guy named Demetrius. And I want to read just the, the middle section again, since we've already read it. And um, I want you to, to just be looking for the plot line and be looking for missions and the part that, that you as a church play in that. So read with me 3rd John. I'm going to start reading in verse 5. We have four verses that are kind of introduction. Uh, I'm going to read verses 5 through 12 again and look for the plot line, and then I'll make a couple quick observations. And um, I want you to love this book. 3rd John is just, it, it's great. It's beautiful. Um, and very compelling story. 3 John, verse 5. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters. Right? These are the unnamed uh, missionaries, strangers. But he says, even though they are strangers to you, you've done a good job in helping them. Verse 6, they have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. Send them on their way. So outfit them, help them, support them, and do it in a way that honors God. Apparently there's a way to support or not support missions and gospel workers in a way that doesn't honor God. He says, do it in a way that honors God. Verse 7, it was for the sake of the name, there's a capital N, it was for the sake of Jesus' name that they went out. So wherever they're going, Wherever they're going from, they they went out for the sake of Jesus' name as Christian workers, so you're helping them. They received no help from the pagans, from unbelievers. God's work is is funded by God's people. Verse 8 says, We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to support, to encourage and help such people so that we may work together for the truth. So when we are helping them, sending them, outfitting them, supporting them, we become fellow workers of theirs in gospel advance, and, and we're aiding the truth. Now we come to the conflict. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, boo, hiss, Diotrephes, who loves to be first. The King James says he loves to be preeminent. It's a fancy word, and, and you know who's preeminent in the church? Who's preeminent in the church? One person. It's not Diotrephes, it's supposed to be Jesus, Colossians 1.18. Jesus is first place in the church. Diotrephes loves to be first. He will not welcome us. So when I come, I will will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. The Greek word for malicious nonsense is blog. I'm just joking, I made that up. Um, But... He's supposed to be a Christian that is, you know, he thinks he's serving God, but all he's doing is slandering other Christians. He's just, you know, writing his screed about these workers and about John. Malicious nonsense. Not satisfied with that. Notice what he does. Not satisfied just with slander. He even refuses to welcome other brothers, the missionaries that we're talking about, he won't welcome other brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So he says, We're not helping those people. And in fact, if you do help those people, then I'm cutting you off and I'll kick you out of the church. Who's this guy I think he is? Verse 11 Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, diatrophies, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil, Diotrephes, has not seen God. Now, Demetrius, this is a good guy. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him. And you know that our testimony is true. And he says, I'm going to come and see you and try to set some of this straight. That's that's the story of 3 John. Fascinating plot, but a great missions book as well. Let's just look at it very quickly. Missions. The church must aggressively take the gospel to the lost. And our motivation is we do it for the sake of Jesus' name. Do you remember when we read that? It says says in uh, verse 7, it was for the sake of the name that they went out. So they're gospel tellers, they're missionaries, evangelists, church planners. They've gone out and their motive is the sake of Jesus' name. The great motive of missions is Jesus' glory. I don't have a lot of time to talk about that, but not just missions, but evangelism. Why do we want to reach your community? Part of that is compassion for lost people. People are lost. You know, people are damned. And without Christ, they have no hope of peace with God or or eternity in heaven. They're, They're looking at a future of judgment. And out of compassion... We wanna kind of make a difference and and reach out to them, that's a good thing. Compassion's good. But even higher than that is we go out for the glory of Jesus' name. We want Jesus to be recognized as the great savior he is. Uh, We will be around the throne, Revelation 5 and 7 says, we'll be around the throne giving praise to the lamb. Everybody in heaven is looking at the lamb and saying, you are worthy because you redeemed us. You, You washed away our sin with your blood. You've saved people from every tribe and tongue and kindred and nation, people of every ethnicity and different language groups, people groups and we 've all been saved and we're giving glory to Jesus. One of the major motivations for reaching your lost community and, and for reaching the lost around the world is the sake of Jesus' name. We want Jesus to be worshipped. We want him to be loved, we want him to be honored so Actually, all church ministry kind of has a focus of the glory of God. Ephesians 1, uh, three times in in verses 6, 12, and 14 says, God is saving people and he's working through the church that we should be to the praise of his glory. So so the one who gets glory when we do outreach is not the missionary, not the church, not the pastor. You know, I I said I appreciate uh, Pastor Ken, I appreciate... Pastor Larry, but, but who gets glory when God works here at CBC? Who gets glory? God. You know, your pastors didn't shed their blood for you. I, I don't even like it. Sometimes, you know, pastors will talk about, well, my church, my deacons, my people. Man, they're not your people. They're Jesus' people. You know, you, you get to shepherd them, and you have faithful shepherds, but, but Jesus is the one that gets glory. So we're motivated for missions by the glory of Jesus. Uh, John Piper has famously said about missions, he says, missions exist because worship doesn't. And what he means is we're, we're going out in missions so that more people will know the, the grace of Jesus, will come to know Him, love Him, uh, serve Him, and, and He will be exalted. And, you know, it, it's great for the glory of God. It's, it's great for the sinners because they're, they're getting saved. It's not either or, it's both and. Jesus is glorified when people come to know him as Savior and come to him for forgiveness. Many people who they've sinned much uh, and, and then they love much. And, and he's honored through all of that. So the church must aggressively take the gospel to the lost for the sake of Jesus' name. You know, we have this passage that is backed up by the great commissions in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's not the fine print of Scripture. The last words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven is to make disciples of all nations, Matthew. Mark says to preach the gospel to every creature all over the world, Mark. Luke says that the gospel is to be preached not only in Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth, and, and we're witnesses, Dr. Luke says the same thing in Acts 1-8 to start the book. John says, the Father sent Jesus and now Jesus is sending us. This is what the church is called to do. We must do it. Now, part of that is not everybody in here is going to go to South Africa or, or Ghana or Indonesia. But we have the privilege of giving and giving allows us to participate. So the church... Must also generously support missionaries in a manner worthy of God. So verses six through eight say, first of all, uh, first of all Attaboy, the, the work you're doing to invest in gospel workers, good job. And then verse eight says, we had to do this even more. We had to do it in a way it, that, that is worthy of God. And then that allows us to be cooperators, to be fellow workers, collaborators in the truth. What's it mean to support missionaries in a manner worthy of God? Well, you know, that, that means there's a way to do it in a way that doesn't honor the Lord. How many of you ever grew up with something called a missions barrel? You know, I'm dating myself. I'm an old guy. A missions barrel. In my dormitory in college, we had a missions barrel. Here's the idea. You have clothes that are too threadbare for you. Or, or they, you know, they have holes or they're balled up sweaters and you wouldn't wear them. But don't throw them away because missionaries could use those. You know, so, so we can give our cast-offs to missionaries. Or I've been in mission closets in a church, which is great. A mission closet in a church is great. Just give them great stuff like iPads or something. Um, I, I've, seen, I've seen churches take greeting cards, and they would have a party and have people cut out the flowers. And then, you know, you could take those flowers that you cut out, paste them to construction paper... And then you've made a homemade card that you can give to missionaries. They'll love it. I mean, God forbid you should spend five bucks and buy a new package of cards, you know. And there, there's this supposedly creative but not very generous mindset toward missionaries. And, and it continues. You know, one of my burdens is when, when people finally do surrender to go to mission field, you know the average time that missionaries spend raising support just to get to the field? Anybody? There's missionaries that spend like three to four years and they're they're traveling and preaching and as a pastor, you get a call from a missionary and and it feels almost like like a panhandler and you're like, hey, I'm sorry, we don't have any, we got nothing. Um, You know, God bless you, be warmed and filled. Um, We've got to do better. We need a better system so we don't have these people just kind of living out of a suitcase. But we need to support them in a manner worthy of God these are messengers of God. They're, they're heroes. They're normal they're people, but we should treat them like heroes and say, man, we want to support you better. And instead of being a church that supports 200 missionaries, but we don't know their names, or, you know, we have a map and it has pins all over it, but who are these people? We're going to support a few, but really support them well. Pray for them well. Know them well. We support them in a manner worthy of God. Now, look at verse 8 again quickly. It says, when we support these people... We are working together for the truth. So even if you don't go to the field when you are praying for and and even doing a small part in support for a missionary, you are a collaborator with them and God is crediting their work to your account. It sounds like a multi-level scheme, but if you're supporting a missionary in in Uganda and God is using him to bring people to the lost, God is saying, thank you for your participation in his work And God's rewarding you. Now, it can go the other way. Look back at 2 John quickly. I'm going to just jump into verse 10. I can't read the context, but John writes about false teachers, and he says in verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, sound teaching about Jesus, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Verse 11, anybody who welcomes them shares in their wicked deeds. If you help a false teacher you are guilty by association. That's why we believe in in a doctrine we call separation. You're not going to join with people who don't believe in the true doctrine of Scripture. You're not going to be ecumenical. And people who don't believe the gospel, you're not going to aid and abet and support them. If you did, you would be held accountable for their error. That's the downside. Third John says, on the other hand, if there are people that are preaching the truth and you assist them, then you are credited for their work. So, so you want to be turning away from falsehood, but you want to be supporting that which is good. Do it generously in a manner worthy of God. And all through Scripture, you have these, these records where Paul says, like to the Romans, I'm going to come and see you, but I would like to go past you into Spain. Would you help me on my way? Would you outfit me, support me? You know, we need to support missions generously not with castoffs. Think of it this way. Who needs a more reliable car? You or your missionary in the bush of Africa. Okay, you have good roads. I mean, theoretically. Uh, some of you, you might need some, you know, off-road vehicles to get around potholes. But, but you know, you've got good street. You, you don't need really, a, you know, a Hummer. But a, a missionary needs pretty good vehicle. We should be giving them the best. We ought to be helping them, outfitting them. We do it in a manner worthy of God. That's a big part of the book. And the last part, I'm going to talk about Diagefries quickly. The church must avoid petty divisions which hinder great commission work. Diagefries is a bad guy. He thought he was serving God, I think. He, he is resisting John. He won't support the missionaries. He takes another step Not only is he not supporting missionaries, but he forbids anybody else from supporting these missionaries, and he's a villain. I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times in my life, there have been times in my life where I thought I was a champion defending the truth like John or like Jude. I thought I was really doing a good job, and looking back at it, I was actually just being schismatic, divisive, arrogant. I was being diatrophies. Well, don't support that guy. I don't like that guy. You know, what, what version does he use? What kind of music do they listen to? It's just nonsense. I wasn't defending the truth. I was defending turf. And, and it, it wasn't honoring God. It was actually just muddying the waters and hindering gospel advance. There's going to be people who are, are always nitpicking and causing trouble in the church. He says, don't be like that. Don't be a diatrophist in the church. And sometimes it's just, you want to be, you know, more appreciated, more opportunities. And he says, no, 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 that gets in the way of gospel advance. You want to be a team player. And thank thank God, thank God for people of different denominations who are doing gospel work and and preaching the truth. Amen? Thank God for Baptists or Presbyterians or non-denominational people, whatever they call themselves, if they're preaching the true gospel, thank God for them. And to the degree we can help, let's let's help them and and not be just schismatic and divisive and backwards. Illegitimate division hinders the gospel. Legitimate division can protect the gospel, but that's not what's happening in 3 John. Why would people leave the comfort of home and go to the mission field? Why would people leave family comfort? They go for the sake of Jesus' name. Why would people risk danger from disease, you know, a a difficult climate? Why why would they take their children to Africa or hard parts of Asia? They do it for the sake of Jesus' name. Why would a church invest much of its budget to send and support missionaries? Why would people say, you know, we're not wealthy people, but we we can do X dollars a month to help missions and limit our spending somewhere else. Why do that for the sake of Jesus' name? We are passionate about the glory of Jesus. I love this from David Platt when he's preaching about missions. He says, listen, God gets His work done through through people like us. There is no plan B. He's not sending angels to reach the unreached. He's sending the church. And that's not for a few commando types. That's just for Christians like us. And and maybe God will give you a, a greater heart for missions and supporting, and praying, and encouraging missionaries. And maybe there's somebody here, God might actually have you, you know, get on a plane someday and and go somewhere else. He uses normal people like us. He can use people like you. And it's all for the glory of His name. That's a quick look at 3 John. Uh, Pray for us. Dig into that some more. And uh, any way we can be a help to you, please let us know. Thank you, Lord, for the truth. I thank you for a church that loves the truth, that heralds the truth. I pray for your blessing on this ministry. And not only locally, but, but uh, internationally, might the fingerprints of Community Bible Church be all over the world through the work that you're doing and, and the partners that they have. Uh, do your work. We'll be jealous that the glory goes to you alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well, thank you very much, brother, for that message, for that challenge. Thank you for your varied ministry and music, the harp for missions, and, and your pastoring for all those years. Uh, what, a, what a challenge for, for all of us. So th- we're delighted that you guys could be here with us. And if you get opportunity during our refreshment time and then after our service to say hello and issue your appreciation to Brother Chris and to Lori and to Rachel and to Gracie for coming, please please do that. Uh, For our congregation, I don't have time right now to go into it, but some of the things he's talking about with regard to mobilizing a church to send people are very timely for us. I just had some things happen with that, a few things this week, and now added to it this challenge. So God is at work providentially to move our church from being simply a supporting church to a sending church. And I look forward to what he's going to do in and through us in the years to come in that regard. Brother Chris mentioned his resources. They are in the Resource Center. I encourage you to take advantage of those. They are excellent resources. They, their family are going to be there, and they'll be able to uh, point you to the res- various resources that they have. Pastor Larry said that I'm going to mention the chair situation. So most of you know this will be our third week into 12 weeks in the summer where we're having these different classes that he described. One of those is in this room, the marriage class, and we set up tables for that, which means... You need to vacate this middle section especially. So if you have stuff, get, get it out of there. Move out of the auditorium so that we can then uh, transform this room for the classroom that's going to be starting at 1115. All right, let's stand now for our closing song. Let's sing together just the voices through the doxology twice together this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son. God from home All all blessings flow. our first hour our second hour begins at 11:15, 15 um, depending on what classroom you're in or if you're in here for the marriage series um, like pastor ken said we'll need to move these center sections and get the tables in here in the meantime we have a time of fellowship outside um, not outside outside the auditorium so enjoy that as well we'll see you back here at 11:15. And just a reminder for those of you uh, who are hanging around to help with tables and chairs, just the, two middle, just the two center sections. Disconnect the chairs. We'll bring tables in and rearrange the chairs. No need to stack.